The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. I think this will be a higher risk play on third and 24. Maybe that surprised me. Stands he is. Going deep middle. And there is Johnson Culianos. How about that on third and 24? Catch there by Johnson Kulianis. For 47 yards, and it is a first and goal for Stanzi and the Hawks. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyesmike.com. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of ABC on ESPN with Brent Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet. Another great job calling yet another thrilling game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. Marv Cook is off this week, but you'll have the chance to hear Pat Hardy's opinions. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Kirk Ferentz and Brett Bielma. We'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference, and we'll also preview the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Also this week, we'll feature another special interview with former Iowa star Silas McKinney. And during the course of the season, we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. So they put Morse in front of Wager. A power look on third and one. Wager jumps, end zone, touchdown. So there you have it. The youngster from Bishop Helan High School, Sioux City, Iowa, lives on the other side in South Dakota. Go crazy. Once they converted that third and long, Iowa's offensive line, I think, had an advantage over the last couple of plays, a good push, and Wager having a little bit of fun going up and over. Landing on his feet is always a good thing. It was the best of Ricky. It was the worst of Ricky. But in the end, Iowa quarterback Ricky Stanzi connected with tight end Tony Moyaki for two touchdowns as the Hawkeyes held on to defeat a dangerous Michigan team 30-28. On the second play of the game, Stanzi threw yet another pick six, giving the Wolverines the initial lead and sucking the air out of an electrified Kinnick Stadium in a blackout game on national TV. In a reversal of form, Iowa's defense pretty much shut down Michigan's passing offense under freshman quarterback Tate Forcier but the Wolverines were able to rush the ball effectively throughout the game, and they brought a quick end to Iowa's string of 33 quarters without giving up a rushing touchdown. Michigan ended up with three of those. In the final analysis, as they have done throughout the season, the Hawks forced five Michigan turnovers. Stanzi employed his excellent amnesia once again, settled down and passed effectively, and the offense did just what it had to do to pull out another victory. Iowa remains undefeated, winning their sixth game of the season, becoming bowl eligible, and extending their overall win streak to 10. That's the longest for the Hawks since the 1920s, and it's currently the second longest in the nation behind only Florida. The Hawks are also the only undefeated team left in the Big Ten, heading into Saturday's crucial road game against a very good Wisconsin team in Madison. And Iowa has a good trend going of winning the close games. I love it when a plan comes together. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. 
a quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with just a single application. To learn more, go to www.prefensbotanicals.com. Prefens is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa football team, the men's and women's basketball teams, and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. The 30 points the Hawks scored in the Michigan game are the second most scored this season, and the Hawks have now won three games by a combined six points this year. With the win, the Hawks also improved to 52-41-5 in homecoming games, ending a two-game losing streak. Iowa scored six points following five Michigan turnovers. In the six games this season, the Hawks have scored 60 points following 20 opponent turnovers. The Iowa defense has collected four or more takeaways in three games this year. Iowa's defense this season has collected four or more takeaways in three games. Penn State, Michigan, and at Iowa State. Michigan won the toss Saturday night and elected to defer. That left Iowa electing to receive, and the Hawks have now started the game on offense in 110 out of 129 games under Kirk Ferentz. They've also started an offense in eight straight games. Junior quarterback Ricky Stanzi completed 20 of 38 passes for 284 yards and two touchdowns, both to Tony Moyaki. Stanzi hit nine different targets in that game, and he now ranks eighth in career passing. His 24 career touchdown passes rank seventh best at Iowa. Neither the Hawks nor the Wolverines scored on their opening possessions. Iowa has now allowed just one opponent, Penn State, to score on its opening drive in its last 19 games. Each quarterback threw an interception on their first pass attempt. Stanzi's going for a pick six. Michigan scored a rushing touchdown late in the first period. That's the first rushing TD allowed by Iowa this season, and the Hawks had held the opposing teams out of the end zone in terms of rushing touchdowns for 33 consecutive periods dating back to 2008. The Wolverines later added two more rushing touchdowns in the second half. Iowa place kicker Daniel Murray made three field goals out of four attempts. That's a career best for Murray, and his 41-yard kick matches his longest of the season. The Hawks linebacker Jeremiah Hunter had a nice game. He had a pass interception in the first period, a fumble recovery in the second quarter, and he tied his career high with 12 tackles. Linebacker Pat Anger shared top tackle honors Saturday night with Hunter, also getting 12 stops. As a unit, the Hawks recorded six pass breakups, three tackles for loss, and three quarterback hurries against the Wolverines. And the Hawks improved to 66-9 when leading after three periods under Ferentz. Rushing yards, 195 for the Wolverines, 83 for the Hawks. Rushing touchdowns, 3 for Michigan, 1 for Iowa. Passing yards, Iowa dominated 284 to 124. Total offense, 367 for Iowa, 319 for Michigan. Total offensive plays, almost even, 72 for the Hawks, 68 for Michigan. Possession time, 32-15 for Iowa, 27-45 for Michigan. Third down conversions, 3 of 11 for the Wolverines, 8 of 18 for the Hawks. Red zone scoring chances, Michigan was 3 for 3 and Iowa 2 for 3. Great story, compelling and rich. Play clock ticking away, final two seconds, Stanzi will drop it off. Wide open, Moriaki running for the end zone. We're going to be deadlocked if they have the extra point. There's that hole in the secondary. For a 34-yard touchdown, Tony Moyaki off the injury list. Herbie, what's most impressive about that is it came on third and 12. Amen. 
Turning now to the coaches in this coming Saturday's game, first Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the Hawks' best start since 1985 and how his team is handling success. I don't know how our players are thinking. I don't think any of us really right now are thinking too globally. It just in a nutshell, I mean, last year at this time, you know, the, the sky was really falling. I mean, it was falling. And right now, my guess is on the outside, it's probably a little bit different. But, you know, we're, we're pretty much about the same team we were last year at this time. Uh, maybe a little, we're certainly further ahead win-loss-wise. But uh, and we're probably, you could probably argue, a little better team. But I don't think we're that much different. So... You know, what we all need to just understand is that, you know, this thing's pretty fragile. We, we got six tough games coming up, and uh, none of us, at least in this building, need to worry too much about, you know, the big picture at this point. And, you know, we'll see where we're at here in a couple of weeks. But right now, we just got one, one task in front of us, and that's going to be, you know, we got more than our, our hands full with this thing. Kirk was asked if he is surprised halfway through the season by any particular team's strengths or weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um, Probably just just how guys have responded in general, uh, and that's that's maybe not something I wouldn't have predicted. But then more specifically, the, the way some young guys have stepped in, and we just talked about Riley Reef. Uh, you know, he got called into duty a little bit before maybe we would have planned. Certainly, both running backs have done a good job. You know, uh, both uh, Adam and, and Brandon have uh, jumped in there, and, and not that we didn't think they were in the mix. You know, back in August, but but they weren't prominent at least when we started uh, two days. So, you know, there's three guys right there. And then, you know, a guy, you know, calling, not that it was a big surprise the other night, but when he jumped in at the, the punt returning position, you know, really did a great job. And it looked like he'd been doing it for the whole season, you know. So, uh, overall, just I'm happy with the way guys have responded to all the uh, challenges that we've had so far. So that, that's been a positive. Like I say, some of those individuals, I couldn't have pinpointed that back in August, but, but it's happened. Team-wise, I think, you know, the attitude's been great. And that, that's not a surprise. They've been that way really since January. I think you know, it's been that way since last year. Ferentz was asked what has changed with Iowa now winning the close games. Uh, you know, we're, we're just probably a little bit better now, and we're probably a little bit more confident. You know, going through it, you have to, it's like anything else. You have to go through it and experience it. And, you know, we uh, certainly came close four times last year, but uh, couldn't get over the hump, you know, four times. And the Penn State game was a turning point that way. And uh, yeah, I know that stuff does, does get tracked, and I, I follow that too because it is, you know, if you're going to have a good football team and have a good season uh, and you play in a good conference, you're going to have to win some close games. So it's, that's a pleasing thing. Yeah, it's been a real positive for us. Kirk talks about Iowa's running game. It, it's been uh, adequate, I think, overall, overall. You know, we got off to a, uh, uh, you know, underwhelming start week one. Again, predictable. I think most of our uh, challenges have been, you know, there there are things you could see coming. So it wasn't like, you know, wow, how'd that happen? Uh, Most, not all. You know, we're we're gaining ground. Not not totally, but for the most part, it's been adequate for us. And I think it has a chance to develop. And I kind of feel like that about our whole offense. You know, we're hardly where we want to be at this given point. But I think the potential's there down down the next six games, maybe for us to start making progress if we can uh, just keep, you know, keep things fairly uh, consistent on, on the practice field. I think that, that gives us a chance. Ferentz talks about his team's improvement at the halfway point in the season. Yeah, I, I think we're improving, and that's that, that's what we're most focused on. And, uh, you know, sometimes you lose and improve, and that's that's not fun. It is more fun not to improve and, and win. You know, we tried that a couple of weeks ago, and I'd rather do that. But, yeah, the, the idea is to, to, you know, make some progress every week and hopefully have something to show, you know, at the end of the, end of the game. But I, I think we're we're making some strides. You know, we're not there yet, and I think again, probably mostly on offensive side. I think that's where our most potential for growth is right now. But that's you know we're, we're more experienced on the defensive side, so the 
Uh, and that's not to say we can't get better. We certainly can. And then the other thing is, that, you know, every week's a new adventure, you know, so... We just never know what's going to happen. And Ferentz was asked about his run defense after Michigan effectively rushed the ball last Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, they drove the ball a couple times, and that's any time a team drives the ball on you, that's, first of all, I mean, you don't want to give up big plays. That's where defense starts, but he'd rather not give up the scoring drives. We did, and then we, you know, we couldn't stop the drives. We couldn't keep them out of the end zone a couple times. So, but that, you know, that's going to happen during the course of a season, too. Again, we're playing 12 games uh, to think we're going to hold everybody to one, one touchdown a game. Yeah, probably isn't realistic. Not not in the conference we're playing in. You know, if we're going to sit around thinking, okay, you know, the defense will hold them to, to seven legitimate points, and then we, we have a propensity for giving up seven more some other way, you know, the last four games. So that puts us at 14, throwing a field goal. Yeah, you know what I mean? But just, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, every, every season's going to have its twists and turns, and I'm sure we'll have one of those track meet games somewhere down the road here. Rather not getting one of those, but I'm sure we'll have one or two of them. And, Conversely, we might end up in one of those, you know, single-digit deals, too. So just play them as they come. Wisconsin head coach and former Hawkeye Brett Bielma talks about the Ohio State game, and he previews the Iowa contest. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't play our best game of the year uh, out there at uh, Columbus last weekend and uh, gave Ohio State uh, another victory in the Big Ten, but... I have an opportunity this week to come back and play against another quality opponent, uh, University of Iowa. Highly ranked, undefeated, and a very, very, very tough challenge for us. Uh, But we are a little bit healthier this week and looking forward to the opportunity. It is a homecoming game for us uh, this week, so I know our fans will be excited as well. Bielma talks about his star defensive end, O'Brien Schofield, and his season so far. Well, did I expect it? Yes. Uh, Did I know if it was going to happen? Didn't really know until we uh, see the bullets start flying. Just... He's a guy that has been in our program now um, for a fifth-year senior and just continued to develop. And I tell this story all the time to the scouts. You know, he was recruited with four other linebackers. Um, when Coach Alvarez uh, was still here, he told me I could sign five linebackers. And the first and my, after my first year, and those guys were uh, Jonathan Casillas, who's on an NFL roster, uh, DeAndre Levy, who's on an NFL roster, Travis Beckham was actually recruited as a linebacker, who's now on an NFL roster, and the fourth was Elijah Hodge, who's now at UNI, and then. OB was the fifth, and, and he didn't have success early on, but for three years, all he did is went through the grind of what we do here every day, um, all year long, and, and uh, you know, went through the trials and tribulations of being a college football player, experienced some things off the field, and now is probably playing at a high level as anybody that I've been around since, we, since I've been here at Wisconsin. He just listens to every detail of what you say from a coaching standpoint, um, plays with a high motor, and he's a very uh, Christian-oriented young man, which... I think allows him to play at an even higher height. You know, to be leading the nation in tackles for loss uh, doesn't just come about by luck. He's worked very hard to get there. Bielma was asked about his impressions of Iowa tight end Tony Moyaki. Tony Moyaki is a very, very good football player. Um, you know, he's a tight end that I don't think he played against us last year, and I believe the year before it was our game that he was injured in. So I know he's had a, a little bit of an injury-riddled career, but uh, very, very talented, um, very uh, uh, good understanding of where he needs to be on the football field. I think a lot of times with tight ends, it's not just running the route, it's running the route and understanding where the defensive guys are. So you've got to be aware of where he is, and you can see Iowa's offense really pick up the pace uh, now that he's back and involved in the game plan. And I don't know if there's two schools in the country that will meet uh, this year that use tight ends uh, as much as we do and as much as they do. It should be an interesting matchup. Uh, I know Tony and Garrett both met and talked to each other uh, at Big Ten meetings right before the season started, and I think there's a, 
little bit of mutual respect there between those two guys about how they do their business. The Ulma talks about the Iowa-Wisconsin matchup. Well, uh, I've been on both sides of it. You know, I played at Iowa and, you know, did something really smart when I was 19 years old, got a tattoo of the Hawkeyes on my calf and seemed like a great idea when I was 19. So um, I understand probably a little bit about this game and, um, you know, I just have great respect for Kirk. Uh, worked for him for three years and learned a lot of great defensive football working with Norman Parker under him with Phil Parker and the coaches there on defense. So, um this is what it's all about, you know, and, and uh, Iowa has been able to get through their schedule to this point and remain unblemished. Uh, we had our, our first setback last week versus Ohio State. Uh, it's going to be a great Big Ten matchup and, and a great audience with national TV. Bielma talks about his days as a student at Iowa and the education he received there and his role now as Wisconsin coach in this heated rivalry. You know, I, I had a great time at the University of Iowa, um, you know, and I think the great thing is, uh, you know, going to school in the big in this conference. There are so many campuses and so many great stadiums and great environments uh, that it, you just can't help but benefit uh, coming out as a football player, as a you know, holding a degree, an undergraduate degree, and uh, a marketing degree from the University of Iowa. That maybe I don't use a marketing in sense uh, every day, but the education I received there was second to none. And same thing with our guys uh, here coming to Wisconsin, what they're able to endure. But I can tell you this: my return back there uh, after I left. First time wearing the red and white wasn't uh, exactly hospitable. Um, you know, camp fans are calling me some names I've never even heard before. So uh, it's it's a it's a hostile crowd, and uh, I appreciate and respect the rivalry that we have uh, going there. And I think it's one of respect. Uh, you know, it's probably one that you you'll ask the players, but I know as coaches we have a huge amount of respect for what we see on film uh, year in and year out from. Uh, uh, the uh, Iowa uh, program, and, and hopefully there's a little bit back towards us as well. And Bielma was asked how tough it is in terms of the Iowa-Wisconsin rivalry game with respect to his mindset and emotions. You know, I was surprised and even shocked in my first year, uh, you know, that uh, uh, as a defense coordinator, I'd, 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 I kind of thought about it when I took the job, but you get so focused in uh, on what you're doing in your preparation and, and on your daily tasks that you have to get ready for this game that you tend to sh- shut everything out. You know, I think my family and my friends are always amazed during the season because you really just uh, consume yourself with what you do and don't really worry about the outside world. I think it's a, it was really tough on some of my closer friends that I played with there because they, you know, love and respect everything I do as a coach. And then, you know, for it to go against their own mater was an interesting perspective. But, you know, the toughest part for me has always been after the game. Uh, you know, a little bit before the game, you walk across, you see so many familiar pe- people. Um, I know I wouldn't be sitting in the chair I am now if I hadn't worked for Kirk Ferentz, uh, if I hadn't been a linebacker coach under Norm Parker, uh, because they taught me a lot of things to help me get to where I am today. So it's, it's, there's so much respect that um, after the game is probably the most difficult uh, because somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And, uh, you know, fortunately we've had two wins. I lost last year's, and, and I didn't like that feeling. So I know where I want to be on Saturday. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We turn now to Pat Hardy's segment. You can read Pat's articles in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Sean Patchett talks with Pat about the Michigan win and this Saturday's game in Madison. Another thrilling game and another close win for Iowa. You can talk about your overall impressions. Well, I agree. It was a very thrilling game. I, I mean, it's a victory over Michigan. I'm a little surprised that some fans didn't enjoy it a little more. A lot of people seemed 
upset that the game was so competitive, but we got to remember that it was Michigan. I guess the only maybe downside to it was I think the Iowa defense the last two games has been exposed a little bit. I don't think it's quite the force that we thought it was, and but they're 6-0, and and you can't be any better than that. This is Iowa's first 10-game winning streak since the 1920s. Pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, this is another time, for second time during Kirk's run now where we're do it where they're doing something that hadn't been done since the 20s i mean they went undefeated back in 02 and now anytime you're anytime you're doing something that hasn't been done for 80 years i think that's pretty impressive one of the most important changes for the hawks is that they're winning the close games now uh, for a couple of years prior to that they were losing close games what's made the difference and they're being able to win these close games. I think it's just the make of, makeup of this team. I think they've got good senior leadership. They've got veterans at key players, and I just think it's the personality of this team. They, they figured out a way to get over the hump in close games like this. Some teams in the past I just don't think had the leadership and maybe the overall talent at key positions to do it, and this team does. All right, we got two new recruit commitments after the game. You can talk about them and what winning these kinds of games means to recruiting overall. Yeah, that was a great recruiting stage Saturday. They got Carl Davis, a defensive lineman from Michigan, and Donovan Johnson, a defensive end from Texas. I think they're both three stars. They had some impressive offers. The Johnson kid, I know it's um, Nebraska offered him, and Carl Davis had Michigan State and a lot of the other Big Ten schools. and. Uh, you can see um, they're 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 getting that defensive line together for the future. This whole class is dominated by defensive recruits, and I mean, I just the one kid committed on the spot. It sounds like they both committed during the weekend, so I think they were just overwhelmed by that whole atmosphere. And so they not only won the game, but they landed two key recruits. The Hawks moved up in the polls again. Do you think Iowa's overranked, or is it about right? I think it's about right. I'm still not convinced it's a top, it's a top ten team. It's about as close as they can be if they win at wisconsin then yeah it's a no-brainer it's a top 10 team and but i think right now it's getting about what it deserves good ricky bad ricky it's turning into a broken record you know he makes horrendous mistakes and completely turns it around and makes great plays last saturday it was almost every other series but it's tough to argue with the bottom line and that he wins yep i mean that's the thing with stanzi he He's so hot and cold, but you can't deny his record. You can't overlook that. I know he's got eight interceptions in the last five games, and I mean, your big concern has to be the fact that ultimately it's going to cost Iowa in the win column. Right now it hasn't, but I think at some point he's going to get over this. I think right now, in fairness, I'm not convinced that a couple of those pick sixes weren't situations where the receiver ran the wrong route, but still, they got to get this thing corrected. That's the one thing that's really kind of holding this offense back, and you just can't keep spotting good team seven points. So far it hasn't cost them, but it could. It's hard to believe Michigan could hold Iowa to negative rushing yards in the first half. You'd be tempted to blame the offensive line, but it's tough to block when they put eight or nine men in the box. Yeah, I was actually surprised Iowa didn't try to throw some more quick passes and what have you. And any questions like that about what happened on the field, I just go back to the fact that it was Michigan and they've got great players. I mean, they're in a transition right now. They've had some issues, but if you look at that roster, Michigan's players are a completely different breed than the players that Iowa have. If you compared their credentials, you'd ask yourself, how did Iowa win this game? So Michigan has some really good players and they're, they just, I mean, they, they took it to Iowa in some ways Saturday. On the other hand, a pretty impressive performance in the passing game. And can you talk a little bit about Tony Maraki? Well, I just think you saw why when he's healthy, he's one of the probably two or three most viable players on the team. Not only does he give them great run blocking, but he gives them such a key receiver, sort of a safety valve for Stanzi. If you say it seems like Ricky's really comfortable with Tony and Darrell Johnson, Coolianis in there. He seems to really like those two. And yeah, Iowa needs Tony to stay healthy. They need him blocking and catching passes to be at their full strength. And right now, he made it through that game unscathed. And you just got to keep your fingers crossed. 
Did it look like the Hawks weren't as aggressive with their defensive line, focusing more on trying to contain Forcier than get to him? I think you may say that because I think if you just keep shooting the gaps and go, 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 he's just going to run right by you and burn you, and then you get broken plays where he's gaining a lot of yards, the defensive linemen get tired, and let's face it, I was not doing much substituting on the defensive line right now, so they got to keep those guys fresh. And Yeah, I just think if you, it's just, it's not easy to pressure a spread situation like that. So I think that's what a, a lot to do with it. And I think Michigan's offensive linemen, they had some moments where they played well. Looking at the defense, if you only looked at the stats, you might assume that Norm Parker reversed his approach and tried to stop the pass instead of first stopping the run. Uh, Iowa effectively shut down Michigan's passing game, yet couldn't consistently stop their rushing attack. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into the stats. I mean, they played a good spread offense for the first time they'd ever seen it, and Michigan had a running back who ran for 96 yards. I don't really think that should be a surprise. Like I said, I think this Iowa defense got exposed a little bit. It's not quite what people thought it was and now it's just got it's just a matter of adjusting and learning from their mistakes they're going to play against more spread offenses but I wouldn't be overly concerned because a Michigan running back had 96 yards I just think that's how the game unfolded take away the pass I mean you're going to run what did you think of the Wolverines approach to the running game having their backs move parallel to the line and then turning up field well it worked I mean they obviously saw something in the Iowa scheme and I think if you try to run between the tackles with Iowa, you're playing into their hands. That's why I think John Clay might be easier to defend in some ways. That's more of a power team. I think Michigan just, they, they saw something they liked, and I just think it kind of caught the Iowa linebackers and defensive linemen kind of off balance, and he, Meyer did a good job of shooting the gaps and what have you, and I just think it was a scouting decision, and you really can't argue with the results because, I mean, they, it did work for him. We got to watch two of the best punters in the nation. Yeah, it was weird having a game where Ryan Donahue was the second best punter. That kid from Michigan was incredible. Well, there's a reason why he was the number one punter in high school four years ago, and he's lived up to it in college. Iowa's schedule just gets tougher. Wisconsin and Michigan State on the road, but at least we're back to playing teams that essentially run the same style of offense as Iowa's. Yeah, I think that's what's going to help them. I think those teams, both with their power football, play into Iowa's hands. And it's, it's tough. I mean, that's what we, we knew this schedule was going to be tough. Now we're witnessing it. If, just if one of these games was not at home, it would make a big difference. But this, this three-game stretch, like I said earlier, is going to really go a long way in defining this season. And, but you just got to take it, like Kirk says, one game at a time and see what happens. Are we going to see pretty much smash-mouth football the next two weeks? That's what I would think, yeah, especially Saturday. I think you're going to see a lot of John Clay. But also, Wisconsin, both teams, Wisconsin and Michigan State, have good passing attacks, too. I think one of the big stories with Wisconsin this year has been the way Tolzien has emerged and given them a 200-yard game passer. So, yeah, Wisconsin wants to be balanced, and so does Michigan State, too. But but this is going to be these are going to be mirrors of the Iowa offense. So we're, I, I can picture both the games in my head, what's going to happen. It's just going to be a matter of which teams execute the best. Well, this Saturday we'll get to watch two of the premier tight ends in the Big Ten, Tony Maki and Garrett Graham. Yeah, it should be a good matchup. I mean, they're both are very similar. I think Moyaki's a better blocker. They're both good pass catchers and what have you. And it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence why that big Illinois high school stud tight end is now kind of considering Iowa and Wisconsin because no teams in the Big Ten use their tight ends better than these two. We'll also be watching two quarterbacks who have a tendency to throw pick sixes and make critical turnovers. And that, to me, is going to be the key to the whole game. Which quarterback avoids the key turnovers, or any turnovers for that matter? Which quarterback has a better day, to me, will go a long way in determining this game. I think they're both going to be able to run a little bit, but I don't think they're going to run up and down the field on each other. So to me, the quarterback play and which, which passing offense can execute the best, that's going to, it's going to be huge in this game. The Hawks have a pretty good record playing in Madison this week. You have Iowa coming off the Michigan win and the Badgers coming off their loss at Ohio State. 
two weeks in a row now with that kind of setup going into the game and two weeks in a row where your Big Ten opponent is facing likely elimination from the title race if they lose. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a big game. I mean, this there's really no turning back. This is what you kind of look for. And But the thing with Iowa that I think Kirk's goes so good at, they're going to take this one game at a time. They're not going to look at this game any less important, any more important than anything else. It's just this game, and you just deal with the moment and just see what happens. What do you expect to see, and what are your keys to the game, and then a prediction? Turnovers are going to be huge. I mean, the running games to me in some way will kind of cancel each other out. I think whatever quarterback plays the best avoids the turnovers, and special teams are going to be huge again. I think whatever teams play the best on special teams, I think the game's going to be that close to where those little intangibles, and right now I don't have a prediction because if I had to predict right now, I'd probably give Wisconsin maybe 20 to 17, but that could change tomorrow. I just, my feeling on this kind of changes, I just know it's going to be a really close game. That's it, I'm out of here. Cheney is the slot receiver. Stanzi looks in that direction, throws a pick six on the first pass of the game. Donovan Warren puts the Wolverines ahead on a horrendous throw. And Warren was standing right there, and there is a slow start by Stanzi again. It's exactly what we're talking about with Ricky Stanzi. This year, it's been hot or cold. This is another poor decision, miscommunication with his wide receiver, Chaney. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. In our Big Ten notebook this week, through six games of play in the 2009 season, the Big Ten leads all FBS conferences with seven teams having four or more victories. The ACC and Big 12 rank second in that category. The Big East and SEC are third. Iowa's win over Michigan last Saturday left the Hawks as the only undefeated team in the conference. Iowa is also one of only two teams in the country that is six and oh, and one of only nine teams yet to suffer a loss. The Hawks also became the Big Ten's first bowl eligible team in 2009. Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin are all one game away from that status. This week marks the return of conference trophy games. In addition to the Hawks and Badgers battling for the Heartland Trophy, Minnesota and Penn State will play for the Governor's Victory Bell, which is also the newest trophy game in the conference. The Big Ten continues to have three teams ranked in the top 25 in all three polls, Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State. Key games this Saturday, in addition to the Hawks at Wisconsin, include Minnesota's road game at Penn State and Northwestern playing at Michigan State. The Big Ten also announced a new bowl lineup effective next year. Gone are the Alamo and Champs Sports Bowl games. Added to the Rose, Capital One, Outback and Insight Bowls are the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida, the Dallas Football Classic in the Cotton Bowl and the Texas Bowl in Houston. This new lineup will result in Big Ten teams playing in five New Year's Day bowl games beginning in 2011. The conference has its first coach on a hot seat, Illinois 
Illinois' Ron Zook, who signed a one-year contract extension back in July, which now runs through 2013. Zook's Illini are mired at the bottom of the conference, boasting the worst offense and the 10th-ranked defense, and their only win so far this season came against Illinois State in September. Another interesting note, Wisconsin coach Brett Bielma is among 69,000 Wisconsin State employees facing a mandatory eight furlough days, a provision put in place to try to help hold down the state's budget. This coming Sunday will also mark the 12th annual unveiling of the BCS standings. The BCS now uses a three-part formula with six computers and two national polls, the USA Today Coaches Poll and the Harris Interactive Index. If the Hawks can win in Madison, look for them to show up in the top ten. We visited recently with former Iowa star and current NFL scout for the Detroit Lions, Silas McKinney. In this week's segment from that interview, McKinney talks about his days as a football player at Iowa. Silas, who were your primary recruiters and what were the key factors for you in deciding to play at Iowa? Well, that actually was uh, Jerry Burns and Andy McDonald. Those are two Michigan guys and uh, they'd always had Michigan players that had had success. Some of the guys, Bobby Greer and Dalton Kimball, and they, they just had guys that I was I was familiar with from back home in, in Michigan. Uh, I grew up uh, approximately 20 minutes from the University of Michigan campus. I love Bump Elliott, still do. Was a, always wanted to play for him as a kid, and thought I was going to do that. Unfortunately, when my time came, they wanted to make me they wanted to make me a wide receiver, and I was a running back, and that's what that's what I wanted to do. So I didn't want to be a wide receiver told me I could be a running back at Iowa um, and, and good relationships. My high school coach and, and the running back coach had played together in college and so there was a certain comfort level there. And to be honest with you, when I was going into the 10th grade, I had no idea whether or not I was going to be a player. I wasn't a, a college athlete or anything like that. And uh, Andy McDonald came by our practice and he pulled me over and he said, you know, if you keep working hard, coach says a lot of good things about you. If you keep it working hard, I'm going to come back and get you and bring you to the University of Iowa when time comes. I was kind of shocked, but I, but I remembered that. After you spend some time in life, you understand, and, and you coach, you understand how you get your buddies to say little things to players that might show some promise to kind of get them a little, give them a little boost, and that's what happened. So so I, it, it, was a, it was a great experience for me, and if I had to do it over again, I'd do it the same way. Why football and not basketball since you started in both sports in high school? I really didn't have a left hand. <laughs> yeah. I, had a, I had a great first step, and I was a very real dominant right-handed player. I was a bounce with that left, and I had to get it back over to the right. And so what happens is, is really good players are defending you. They figure that out real quick. So I, I just didn't, uh, you know, I had offers to go and play uh, both sports at at uh, you know in the MAC conference and things like that, but uh, you know I was I'm, I'm really a football guy. I just lo- I love basketball and had some ability and you know just messed around with that for a while. But football was where I thought I could best succeed. Do you have a couple of most memorable games when you played for the Hawks? Well, prob- probably the uh, Indiana game when they went to the Rose Bowl and when they had Gonzo and Ethan Barker and those guys and. And we had we we actually had those guys. I mean, we had those guys, and they lined up to uh, kick a field goal, and the field goal would mean nothing. So we we knew they, that, that that's not something they were going to do, and and I, it was communicated on the field. <laughs> but <laughs> some people, you know, just like you do in college, you you, uh, you you're just aggressive, and you you do some things that maybe you shouldn't do, and they. Uh, 
uh, Gonzo wheeled out. He was a holder. He just wheeled out and got the first down, and, and they, they went on the score from there, and then we ended up losing that game. That was a tough one. And probably uh, Michigan State, when they had Bubba and uh, George Webster and Thornhill and Jesse Phillips and Baba Pisa and Jimmy Ray and Gene Washington and Clinton Jones, I could go on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had the ball, they had the ball, I think, and then we had the ball, and then they had the ball, and then we had the ball. I don't remember exactly how it went, but I know one thing. It was kind of a dull and ordinary game until uh, till we scored on them. We scored, and I, and that was that was probably a mistake on our part because, boy, it just went downhill from there. They really, really got after us. And, and that, you know what, that, that may have been the only game, probably two games in my college career that I played in that I always felt like we were in really superior physical condition. I mean, you just felt that way because you worked so hard. And and if we could play five or six quarters, eventually we, we would win, okay? Michigan State and Notre Dame, I never felt that way. <laughs> they were just so, so much superior to us talent-wise. You got the chance to play with Eddie Podolak as your quarterback in your senior year. Can you talk about that? My, my best year was my senior year. And a lot of that, aside from all the other teammates, having Eddie Podolak as, as my quarterback and me a tailback, we were, we were pretty good together now, okay? And that, that right there that probably got me a chance to make a little money after after college is playing with that guy right there so and a, and a coaching staff you know coaching staff that figured out how to best utilize the the, the skill sets that we had and uh you know from jerry burns and then ray nagel and those guys they did a good job and, and i'd be remiss if i didn't give them and teammates credit <laughs> yeah, I, I have no have no significance in the total scheme of things without them. Why did Podolak make the switch the following year to running back? And he's actually all around the best athlete I've ever I've ever played with, or you know, I, mean, I can't judge those guys I played against like I can the guys I played with, but he's the best one I played with. You know, he's a guy that he'd say, let's go to the gym, you know what I mean? I could handle him when I got him out on the perimeter. He was tough for me inside because he'd go right left hand, you know? So, I mean, uh, this guy is a really, really good athlete. And I, I just think his skills were such that he could fit that running back spot because uh, he was pretty much an option quarterback. And uh, and if I'm, they had Larry Lawrence in the, in the system at that time, who was pretty talented. And so again, uh, you know, it's just a question of coaches, Coach Nagel and the staff, putting people in, in the best position for them to, to, to help the team and for them to succeed. Stanzi, he's got Moyaki, and Reisner's out in front. This could be a second touchdown. Moyaki scores for the second time here tonight. A 42-yard score, and Reisner, the other tight end, he led the way to the end zone. So Kirk Ferentz's decision to pass up the field goal, leave Michigan in poor field position, pays a dividend after the punt. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. 
Just a reminder that you can be a part of the next show by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. I've got no option but to sell you all for scientific experiments. Robinson looking downfield, middle, overthrown, intercepted. This will do it. Hawkeyes. Brett Greenwood with the interception at the 25-yard line. And the Hawkeyes will stay undefeated with the second longest winning streak in the country behind only Florida. And the next two weeks are critical for Iowa. First, they will go to Madison to play Wisconsin, then East Lansing to play Michigan State. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Iowa travels to Madison Saturday to face a very dangerous Wisconsin team in its homecoming game. The undefeated Hawks are coming off their Michigan win, while the 5-1 and one Badgers are trying to rebound from a tough loss at Ohio State where, in spite of the final score, they dominated defensively and played well on offense. But turnovers, including two pick-sixes by Badgers quarterback Scott Tolzien, cost them that game. This is the 85th game in the series and is the most closely contested series in the Big Ten at 41, 41, and 2. The Hawks won last year in Iowa City and have won five of the last seven, including two of the last three in Madison. But the Badgers are 34 and 3 at Camp Randall Stadium since the 2004 season. Kirk Ferentz is in his 11th year as Iowa head coach, boasting a record of 76 and 53, while Brett Bielma is in his fourth year at Wisconsin with a record of 33 and 12. Bielma was a four-time Hawkeye letterman from 1989 to 1992 and an assistant coach at Iowa under both Hayden Fry and Ferentz. The winner of this game will hold the Heartland Trophy, which currently resides in Iowa City. This trophy game started six years ago, and Iowa has held it for three of the five years so far. The Hawks also have the Cy Hawk Trophy, and their third trophy game against Minnesota is for Floyd of Rosedale, which is also residing in Iowa City. The Badgers and Hawks rank as the top two Big Ten teams in time of possession. Wisconsin ranks third in the conference in total offense, while Iowa is third in the Big Ten and 31st in the nation in total defense. The Hawks have allowed only one 100-yard rusher all season, but this Saturday face a bruising running back in John Clay and the largest offensive line in the Big Ten. Amazing what all those brats will do for your weight. This game has all the makings of old-school smash-mouth Big Ten football. The two teams are essentially mirror images of each other. You won't see any flash spread offenses out there Saturday, you will see two fundamentally sound teams with tough, aggressive defenses and often effective offenses striving to achieve a good run-pass balance. Both teams' quarterbacks have a tendency for big turnovers, especially pick sixes, but so far this season, Iowa has weathered those while the Badgers overcame them until last week's trip to Columbus. The Badgers have a very good running game with John Clay, who might remind Hawk fans a little bit of Sean Green, while Iowa's rotating freshman running back 
backs Adam Robinson and Brandon Wager drew rare praise this week from Kirk Ferentz. Wisconsin also has an outstanding defensive end who leads the Big Ten in sacks and tackles for loss. One of the key matchups will be O'Brien Schofield versus Brian Balaga. And the Badgers are still smarting from last season's whipping in Iowa City. Look for this to be a very close game. The last four meetings at Camp Randall have been decided by an average of 6.5 points. It will probably come down to which quarterback makes the least mistakes and which offensive line can most effectively hold off the other team's D-line rush and whether Iowa can continue to maintain big plus margins in turnovers. Iowa has positioned itself well at this point in the season, keeping alive a run at the Big Ten title and possible BCS bowl bid. This is a critical game for the Hawks. But then we're saying that almost every week now. And broadcast school has really paid off. Ricky Stanzi, who started the night throwing a pick six, comes back. Kirk Ferentz and Iowa prevail over Rich Rodriguez and the Wolverines. The Hawkeyes 6-0 with a 30-28 win here tonight. Uh, Kirk Ferentz again finds a way to win a football game. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week. Once again, another nice job of capturing the excitement of Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributor, Pat Hardy. And this week, special thanks also to Silas McKinney. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.